Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today we got some news to talk about throughout the throughout the league and then also some um, rumors as well, I think, to discuss. Uh, it's been a, obviously, as we're about a month away from the trade, not even a month actually, about 14 days away, I guess now that I say it, away from the trade deadline. Uh, we're going to have lots to talk about. And there's a big trade that happened this week, uh, well, some signings, but um, yeah, we're, we're going to break it all down. Uh, if you missed it last week, I don't even think I announced it on the podcast, but we are officially joining the Last Word uh, Podcast Network. Uh, so you can find, I mean, nothing's changing. You can still find our podcast everywhere you've been listening to us. Uh, but we're now part of uh, the podcast network, which you can go check out our podcast and many other great ones at uh, lastwordonsports.com slash podcast. So um, that's something I want to shout out and some exciting news for us. Uh, Chase, should we get into the biggest news of the week or do we want to keep that for later? Where do you want to start here? Let's start hot. Why not, eh? All right. So kind of out of nowhere, I would say. I mean, obviously, I, I don't think it was a, a shock that the, this guy got traded, but I wasn't expecting it to happen so soon. Vladimir Tarasenko gets dealt to the New York Rangers, uh, and he goes along with uh, Nico Mikola. Uh, Vlad- Tarasenko is 50% retained, so he's a $3.75 million cap hit, and then he's a UFA at the end of this year. Returning the other way to St. Louis is Sammy Blaze, Hunter Skinner, a 2023 first-round pick that has a condition on it, and a 2024 fourth-round pick that has a condition on it. Uh, the condition on the first-round pick is it will be the later of the Rangers or Dallas's pick this year. Uh, if you remember, the Rangers got Dallas's first-rounder uh, in return for um, who's the blue liner uh, that I'm blanking on? Niels Lundqvist. Niels Lundqvist. Thank you very much. Um, so it'll be the later of those two picks. So very, very, very likely outside the lottery and probably honestly a mid to late twenties, just given probably the two 20s, teams yeah. as well. Yep. Um, and then the fourth round condition is the fourth round becomes a third round if they make the playoffs. So it's basically a first and a late first and a third, uh, along with Sammy Blaze and Hunter Skinner. Uh, Hunter Skinner, I believe, is a prospect. Um, I don't think he is. He's a 21-year-old um, who was drafted uh, – in the fourth round back in 2019. So definitely not like a, I can't miss prospect or anything like that. In fact, he played games in the ECHL this year. So uh, the picks is really the big thing here. Let's start from, let's start from the Rangers perspective. I, I think, cause I think there's a lot more to talk about from St. Louis's perspective. This is kind of the move I would assume they make, except it wasn't the player I thought they would trade for. That's a fair way of thinking about it. Who'd you think they would trade for? They were just linked to Patrick Kane uh, all this time, and, and constantly, just, yeah, yeah, and but similar players, you know, in terms of offensive first, not much defense involved, and um, you know, guys who are going to be UFAs this year, and obviously fifty percent retained. So I think it's you know a, a very similar package to what I thought they brought up, and and I don't hate the one after Tarasenko. Yeah, I like the logic. I was a little confused online when everybody was like blown away that that's quote unquote all Tarasenko went for. When I saw those mm-hmm. tweets, I was like, okay, so surely we invented invented a time machine and he was traded in 2015. That wasn't yeah. the case. I but, can't yeah. remember who I was complaining. Sorry to cut you off there. I, I can't remember who I was complaining. I think it was maybe our friend Colby. And I was just saying like, it's like everyone has a take on a player in 2018 and just forgets to like check in on them for three or four years. Yeah. Especially. And it's easy to do with uh, Tarasenko, even though he's great. He was pretty good last year, but like 
it's it's easy to forget about a St. Louis blue if you're in, especially for people like us living in the Eastern time zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for but, sure. Yeah, like Tarasenko's not who he used to be. No, and he's really struggled this year. I mean, he just he doesn't even create offense at the same route. I, I think it's a good fit for New York. It gets them another, you know, kind of scoring punch for their top six. Um, and it's one of those things where I think the classic, you put them on a better team, I think you could probably see better results as well. Because as you mentioned, it's not like it's been a half decade since this guy has looked good. He looked good as recently as as last year, right? So, um, yeah. Yeah, like I, I don't think it's it's some big thing where it's like, oh my god, like they they gave up way too much for a guy who has only been living in the past. It, it's more of a thing. I, I totally agree with you. Where I I can't believe the amount of people were like, wow, I don't think we're gonna see a many first move if that's what it takes. It's like, well, to be fair, he was what the fourth or fifth best forward realistically at the deadline move. Like, I get he's a big name, but he just doesn't have that value as much anymore yeah exactly the name value lasts longer than our nice value does significantly yeah. so yeah exactly so it'll be interesting to see where he kind of fits into that lineup i mean it, it gives them a really interesting top nine in terms yeah. of players yeah it does and like i don't want to sound like i really hated it like i I think it was a pretty reasonable trade both ways because, yeah, it adds someone else who can break the game potentially to that top nine, which is something they were missing. Yeah, it really shined through, I think, in that third round last year when they were playing Tampa. And, I mean, it was good for them to get to the third line, uh, third round. But, um, yeah, what this does is allows that kid line of Cheadle, Kako, and Lafreniere to be their own line. And now you can they could be a third line as well, and you can feel pretty good about it, whereas yeah. they don't have to be a second line. And, and you can have some mix of, I would assume they go Panarin, Zabanajed, um I don't know who they go on the right wing, to be honest. I think they probably go like Chris Kreider, Trocek, Tarasenko, a line like that maybe. Um, but they, they have lots of options, that's for sure. So I, I definitely like the move. Um, the funniest part about this move to me, though, is the Sammy Blaze being back the other way. Going um, back, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, there's something to be said about sunk costs, and it's better to, you know, not double down. But this is a dude who just recently got traded, was it with a second-round pick for um, – um, why am I blanking on everyone's name to, uh, uh, all of a sudden? God, is he in the O'Reilly trade? No, uh, it was even worse than that. Top six winger still on St. Louis. Oh my God. Someone's screaming at their phone right now. I can't even find St. Louis on the. I'm going to be so mad when I bring in. Pavel Buchnevich. That's it. Oh, yeah. 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 God. Right to the Rangers. I'm, I'm mad at myself for not, not getting that one. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, they flipped them to the Rangers. I think it was with a second round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, first year after the trade, Buchnevich scores 30 goals, 46 assists for 76 points in 73 games. Even this year where St. Louis is awful, he's got 42 points in 40 games. Uh, and then on the other side of things, Sammy Blaze is exactly who we thought he was. And that's just a, a bottom six forward that, you know, you should not be trading a, a guy who is very clearly a top six forward for. Um, and yeah. Blaze put up last year, I think it was, um, let me just take a look. Four points in 14 games, and then five yeah. and 40 this year. Yeah, he hasn't been in the lineup much. No. So, 
Uh, I just thought that that kind of highlights that. Right? Like we were very critical of that trade at the time from the Rangers and still am like to the point where Beach Nevich makes 5.8 this year. I haven't looked. I don't know if they keep that under the cap or not. I would imagine like I'd rather still have Beach Nevich at 5.8 than Tarasenko. Oh, without question. So I know that's a bit of a sunk cost, right? But still. Yeah. There's just so much more upside with Beach Nevich. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, he's having the better season this year already. He's 27, hasn't been yeah, injured sure. a ton, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, um, no, I, but I still, I, I think that it's a fine move from the Rangers' perspective. They didn't want to add salary pass this year, so they were looking for a pure rental. And and again, you kind of got to strike while the iron's hot with this team. I know we've obviously been more critical than others of their rebuild, but to, it's still fair to say they're one of the better teams in the league, especially, you know, in an in Eastern division that their, their division is pretty wide open right now. Obviously the hurricanes look really good and, and the devils are solid, but they're right in that mix as well. And then, you know, they just have to find their way. You know, they don't have the murderous role of that, that the Atlantic division is, you know, that they can avoid all of Boston, Toronto and Tampa until a, a theoretical third round. So um, I don't mind them going going in like this. Yeah, exactly. And like that, you got your kid line still on their ELCs and whatnot. Like you're, man, Panarin's 31. Like you, you can't just sit around with this team. So you might as well go for it. And Panarin probably raises your ceiling more so than your floor, which is the, logically the kind of player I would think would be more helpful. Yeah, especially for a team like this too, because they are a solid team, but yeah. I think it's still fair to say they lack that, you know, high end. Obviously, Panarin and Fox are both high end guys, but like compared to a Boston or even, um, you know, especially a Tampa Bay or whatever, they lack the high end game breaking talent, I think. And that's what Tarasenko gives, even if his floor is much lower. Yeah, exactly. Like Panarin's great and all, but a lot of these teams have a singular forward who can take over a game more so than Panarin at this point in their career. Yeah, so um, from the other side, uh, and, and the one other thing I should mention that I like about the Rangers is that they still have a first this year. You know, like, again, they, they're giving up the later of the one that they acquired from Dallas, and and that's why I think, you know, even it's obviously always going to be better if your prospects just work out. Uh, it's always better to realize early and cut baits so you can get a first-round pick and be able to make a move like this and feel feel comfortable about it, right? Yeah, 100%. And then so. I think Longo has actually been pretty good this year for Dallas, if I remember correctly. But yes, they definitely, he clearly wasn't working in New York. So at least you got something for them instead of just killing his career and the value of that asset. Yeah, exactly. Like, obviously, the best possible outcome would always be just New York retains him and he's really good. But again, that didn't look like it might, you know, was going to happen. So yeah, it looks like he's got slightly above average numbers this year, which probably makes him a three or four defenseman at 21 years old or whatever. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I was saying Dallas doesn't complain about the trade either, that's for sure. Yeah, pretty much um, a win-win. Other side, I, I like this from St. Louis as well. And I think this is a good first step. Um, Blaze is just a, a UFA after this year too. So, you know, the money they took back isn't isn't super serious or anything like that. Um, and again, like as much, as much as people are like, wow, that's all they got. I, I think a, a first and a third for a guy who – has been openly requesting a trade for three years and been injured all three of those years, basically. That's yep. still fun. pretty good value, you know? Yeah, it's, and injuries aren't really his fault, but he's, he's had one really good season in the past four years, and they got a first-round pick for him. I don't think people should be disappointed in that. Nope, exactly. And I think that's 
a good step from them as well because we kind of assumed they were selling, but they always kind of felt like this team, even though, you know, memory, and maybe this is just on me, they always kind of felt like the team that, like, might convince themselves they're still kind of hanging around and could do stuff, even though, like, in the past we've seen them sell off. You know, in, like, 2015, they sold back as 16, they sold uh, Oshi, Shattenkirk, I think, was 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Like, they have done this where it's, like, if they're clearly not a contender, they're trying to retool, which is the smart thing to do. But for some reason, in the back of my head, I, I just kind of had a little bit of reservations about whether they do it or not. Yeah, you can never be certain until it actually happens. So it's nice to see them do. But yeah, I think it's a smart thing to do. They're out of the playoffs right now. So take all the first round picks you can get. Yep, exactly. Uh, O'Reilly will probably be on the move. Um, I mean, that seems like a no-brainer. And then Ivan Barbashev is someone who's actually been getting like a, a lot more talk in the past week. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. I have seen that name get brought up. And I've seen that name get brought up by like fans saying, we want this guy. And Ivan Barbashev is a fine hockey player, but he does not scream like someone where if I'm looking at my favorite team going into the deadline, I'm like, man, I hope we can land Ivan Barbashev. Yeah, I saw an article saying, is he the second best winger at the deadline this year? And I was like, I mean, even if he is, that talks way more about the deadline than him. Yeah, and like, I know there's a big debate online about Patrick Kane's stats. There's no way, like, Patrick Kane isn't a better buy than Ivan Barbashev as a rental. Yeah, like, for Patrick Kane's dad, like, I'm pretty sure Barbashev, I think, has 25, just over 25 points in, like, 50 games, I want to say. Yeah. And, like, that's a very average year for him. Patrick Kane, who's having, like, to the point, he's having a bad year to the point where, like, mainstream media is even picking up that he is having a bad he's year. Down here. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is, like, that's got to be pretty bad. He's still got more points. He's got 35 points in 49 games. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. And, like, a- any team should be pretty confident that Patrick Kane could probably come in and, like, help their power play even if he struggles at five on five in a way that you're probably not thinking with Barbershop. And like, there's also a real easy argument to buy that like public stats are going to underrate Kane because of all the passing and stuff. I don't think Barbershop is like a generationally talented passer. The Kane is last I checked. You never know, but I'm, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to side on the, the, their no as well. I, I think, and like, I think Barbershop would be a fine pickup for a team for like a mid round pick or whatever. Or, you yeah. know, like even oh, yeah. a second or whatever, right? And, like, like if Toronto picked Barbashev up and then went and got a defenseman that they like a little more, Justin Hall or something like that, that would be a good yeah. deadline. But, yeah. Yeah. That. yeah, like he's getting kind of talked about as if, like, people want to give up a first or something. And it's like, oh, yeah, definitely not uh, not that range of it. Especially, and it depends what the other options are too, right? Because that's the other thing is we don't know what the asking price is for Kane, if he'll go, because he's got the full no trade clause. So maybe it's an easier option for teams for Barbashev, but yeah, like he's a fine player. It's just, he was getting a lot of talk this year with uh, this uh, week for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with that where it seemed really out of nowhere, but like, I mean, good for, good for them if they can get some huge for them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of like, you, you gotta play the game, right? So sell the hype. Um, exactly. Um, all right. Before we move on, I want to thank our sponsors in Betstamp. Uh, Betstamp is the easiest way to compare multiple sports books, uh, lines across multiple sports books. Sorry, and 
I think money in multiple different sports books is the best way to make money while sports gambling. Uh, BetStamp allows you to easily line shop and, and find the best odds. So if you're looking at a game for tomorrow, uh, you can easily see what the different lines are for the spread, the puck line, all that good stuff. Um, you can also find verified bet tracking so you can place what bets you've made. They'll track the bets and let you know if you've won or lost and how much money and your return on investment. Uh, and there's also a commission-free marketplace, which allows uh, users to look at what uh, pros are, are taking picks in and, and analysts throughout the industry. And uh, you can do that for free and, and take exactly a look at uh, what others are placing in to see if you want to make bets as well. So uh, if you're interested in downloading the app, we would love if you use the uh, code MNMHockey. Uh, go a long way in supporting us. And we thank our uh, sponsors in BetStamp. All right. There's a couple signings that I want to get to quickly as well. Um, uh, the, the biggest one in terms of cap hit is definitely Michael Anderson, uh, which might have a bunch of people going, who is that? Uh, the LA Kings left-handed defenseman, I believe he is 23 years of age, signs an eight-year deal with a cap hit of $4.125 million today. Um, huge signing in terms of a dollar value for a guy that not too many people probably know. Um but I think is a you know, $33 million deal uh, for a guy who, again, like just is not a household name for anyone. I mean, even in, in LA, um, I, I like this deal though. I, I think this is, it's not a slam dunk. There's definitely risk that comes with it, but uh, this kind of files into one of those deals where the upside is very high on it, in my opinion. You know what it reminds me of is the uh, Matthias Samuelson contract that the uh, the Sabres signed in mm -hmm. the summer. That was the yep. first thing I thought of. Yep, very similar players in terms of defense first. You know, like Anderson is not a guy who has ever really brought offense, and neither is Samuelson, but his defensive metrics have been pretty good over three years, and he's been playing a lot on the top line from what I've heard this year, uh, which is obviously very encouraging if you're an LA Kings fan. Um yeah. Again, like to me, it just it's one of those contracts where not obviously to the same degree of Dylan Cousins because Dylan Cousins is such a bigger name and it's always going to be easier to sell offense than defense. But like I just I like the idea of signing 23 year olds to these contracts where it's like if the upside hits, you're getting an eight million dollar defenseman who's great defensively for four million dollars throughout his peak. And if the upside doesn't hit, you're either overpaying probably for by about $2 million for a number four, number five guy, or you can just buy the contract out and it's not going to hurt you too much. Yeah. I, I, I with you there. I like the logic. Cause like, I think Dom has him as a $4.5 million player right now. So, and again, Dom's model is a little higher on most of technically even is probably bad because of the way it works out. But like, yeah. So right now it's a fine contract with potential upside. It's hard to go wrong with that, especially because the downside of $4 million isn't huge. Yeah, exactly. Especially as the, the cap's yeah. supposed to be going up. And it, it's all in um, uh, contract as well. There's no signing bonuses or anything like that. So again, like I, I think if you were to buy it out, I think that would help the buyout if I'm not mistaken. But um, yeah, like it's just one of those things where I feel like it was definitely a deal where it got clowned on a lot less, though, I feel like, than the Matias Samuelson one. The Samuelson one, I think, was just kind of crazy because people – he had, like, 70 games played at the time, which, like, fair enough. That That is, like, insane risk to take. But at the same time, it's like, oh, I mean, you got to take those risks sometimes for the high upside. But um, it, it's definitely not – I'm not as high on it as, like, 
a Dylan Cousins contract that we talked about last week because I don't think the upside is as high there. But at the same time, defense is one of the hardest things to evaluate. And if you feel confident that you have evaluated it properly, I don't blame you for trying to lock that in. Well, that's the thing too, right? Like, um, he looks good in public metrics too. And it's it's probably worth it just for the, your coach's blood pressure at that point, even if it's, again, let's say Dom's model, like whatever. Let's say it is a 500K overpayment, but you have a legitimately good defensive defenseman who's young and can still get better. In a league that doesn't have that many legitimately good young defensive defensemen, if that's the worst you're doing, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, exactly. And again, like uh, just to illustrate, and obviously, you know, you wouldn't want to maybe have that long, but to illustrate how easy these contracts are when you sign guys in their early 20s to get out of in terms of buyouts, let's say he just drops off a cliff next year, just got awful, and he's awful for the next three years. And by the third year of that contract, which again, feels super unlikely to at least drop off an absolute cliff, right? But whatever. Three years into this contract, they're like, oh, my God, we just this guy sucks, man. Like, we just can't do it. A bio costs them one point three seven five million dollars on the cap for it is 10 years because there'll be five years left at that time. But again, it's one point three million dollars. There's no this isn't a bio where you're getting hit with a seven million dollar cap at any time. Yeah, exactly. Like the your downside is just so capped. It can it can never be that problematic. And again. Defense is so hard to evaluate, but he looks legitimately good over a couple thousand minutes now. Yep. Yep. Like two or three seasons now. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, at some point to sign a good contract, you're going to have to take a risk too. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, They also signed Phoenix Copley to a new deal. uh, One year, $1.5 million. I'm going to be really, they're going to be a team that I'm going to be really curious to see what they do this uh this offseason in terms of net because quick's up at 5.8 quick's not being very good this year gal Pedersen's in the minors right now and he's at 4.5 i think for two more years um i like they're gonna go i think big game i would assume they go big game hunting for a goalie this this offseason but i just don't know what that that looks like money into Mm -hmm. a goalie yep exactly um i don't know what that looks like off the top of my head but they're definitely going to be a team that uh is that I forgot they gave Trevor Moore the extension as well. He's up to 4.2. So um, I him kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then they're also been tied to Jacob Chitron again this week, who Chitron has now been held, held out um, for trade related reasons. This always felt like a destination that made a ton of sense to me. The right hand is absolutely stacked, but uh, their left side has uh, Michael Anderson, as we obviously just talked about, but then Alex Edler and then Sean Dersey can play the left as well. But their left definitely could use an extra name if you really wanted it. Um, I don't think they have to go trade for Chichard, but for a team that has a ton of prospects, if they really wanted to, it makes more sense to me to me than other teams that have been mentioned at times. Yes, I'm absolutely with you on that one. That's one of the teams that makes more sense than anyone else I've ever actually seen, to be honest. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Like, the names that usually get thrown out there, like Ottawa is always in there. But again, the problem with Ottawa is Chitron's never really played his right side. So there's at least more inherent risk there. Yeah. Um, And then other teams, like I just don't even, after those two, it's like, well, 
you're really slowly starting to run out of teams that like it legitimately makes sense for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually kind of wild how quickly that becomes tough mm-hmm. to find a good fit in a league where everyone's broke. No one. That's the thing, right? It's like, I think you could also argue. I think there's a good enough argument that like Edmonton could make a move on him. Um, but I don't know what cat if they had the cap space to really do it. Um, yeah, Edmonton would have to get creative if I remember correctly. Maybe it would eh, honestly it would probably involve just flipping Tyson Berry the other way. Yeah, yeah. Four point five for another year. That's probably not. Well, another year might make it tough, but I would think if you're trading checker and that's the least of your concerns. Yeah, I, I don't think it like I yeah, I don't think for Arizona's side it would be too big of a deal because you could probably like I think they'd be okay with that in terms of you could probably get another asset with um him. I wonder if they do something like like I so, now I'm just going off on a tangent here, but I wonder like if Arizona would be at all interested, like Jesse Huyarvi, Tyson Berry, choose one of the prospects that Edmonton has and then a first and a third or something like that. Or go first, second, third, or something like that. Like, load up on picks if you're Edmonton, because I don't think they have too much in the prospect pool. But, like, if you're Arizona, you could take um, Tyson Berry back. He could be your he, – he, you could probably flip him at the deadline next year. And he's a roster spot for you to help you hit the floor this summer. Who yeah. you can either try and rehabilitate as a younger guy or flip him to a team next year. Just re-sign him on a deal and flip him next year. And then you get, you know, picks and prospects back. Yeah, I like the idea of going for picks unless you can get, like, a blue-chip prospect. And it sounds like really the only one they've zeroed in on is Brandon Clark, which may or may not be um, available. So, like, if you're just going to get some teams, like, B-level prospect, I'd rather just start taking picks and trust my scouts to draft the future star instead of a future third-liner or whatever, right? Yeah, and, like, how many times have we talked about, like, I keep going back to Vegas with their expansion draft. They took picks that were, like, four years into the future, and that helped them become a team that was a threat to win the Stanley Cup every year because, like, three and a half years after the expansion draft, they were still flipping picks for players (laughs) that, like, they got in the expansion draft, right? So, like, your Arizona, you go to their cap-friendly page, they don't have a ton of picks this year, but they have three seconds and three-thirds and two-fourths next year. They already have four seconds in 2025. I'm okay if you just keep stockpiling those picks because if you're good in 2025, which I think would be the goal for Arizona, I would hope, you can then use some of those picks to either keep redevelop or re-supplementing your uh, prospect pool. But also, let's say in 2025 you have, I don't know, let's say they absolutely, they get Fantilli in the lottery this year. Uh, And then you get another top pick in 2024, and now you actually want to be good in 2025. You can go use a couple of those second round picks to go get like two decent roster players that other teams can't afford. And, you know, you you still have picks to work with if you're trading for futures instead of, yeah, 22 year old prospects. Yeah, exactly. You're the um, you're the team making the Fiala trade then. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. That's a great way to put it. And like. Obviously, that might be seconds or whatever. Well, like you can always roll picks in the summary into players. Yeah, one hundred percent. So I, I don't know. I just wonder if something like that would be a fit in terms of Chichen as well. But back to LA. I, I again, uh, overall from the signings, I like it. Um, again, Phoenix. I, the Phoenix Copley 
he's having a good year. Good for him, I guess, with $1.5 million in the bank. I don't have much more to say on that, but yeah, I lack an opinion on Phoenix Copley. And honestly, I feel like most people who aren't LA like beat reporters and stuff, if they claim to, they're probably lying to you. <laughs> Do you have more of an opinion on Phoenix Copley signing for one year at 1.5 or Jordan Harris for one year at 1.4? Probably Jordan Harris, because at least I have more trust in public analytics around Jordan Harris to just read purely off a spreadsheet. Yeah, that's true. Um, percentage of people listening to this that don't know what team Jordan Harris plays for? Uh, pretty high. I would not blame you if you don't. I no. The only reason I do is Max. Yep, the only reason I do is my dad's a diehard Habs fan. So, uh, yep. yeah, the Habs re-signed Jordan Harris. Uh, good sign, good for him. Good, Like, he's played pretty well. Um, I think he has good like third pair numbers, right? Yep, and he was drafted third round, twenty eighteen. Um, you know he's twenty two years old, so um, they'll probably just use him again next year in uh, while they're still trying to retool. And yeah, I, I don't know much to say. I, I like the deal. Yep, seems perfect, cheap enough. It's not really a downside. Might be some upside. He looks like an average player right now. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. And like if it bombs again, it's like a one year deal. Who cares? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like there, there's just a there's really no downside to it. A classic you couldn't complain about it if you tried. Yeah, you have to be really miserable if you're trying to complain about this one. Yeah, you have to be Steve Simmons talking about a Kyle Dubas contract to find a <laughs> yeah. way to uh to dislike that one. Uh or the job Damon who's a Damian Cox talking about to Sheldon Keith as a yeah. coach. Yeah, exactly. Oh geez. All right. I, I don't want to, I don't want to think about that. Let's get, I'm going to keep myself in a good mood. Uh, would you like, we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors at athletic greens. Their signature AG one replaces key health products in one simple scoop. AG one combines nine health products working together as one replacing your multivitamin, multivitamin, multiminerals, pre and probiotics, immunity support, and more. That means AG one does more for your body and saves you time, money, and confusion compared to taking multiple unique products. Uh, simply follow the link in our show description and get started today. Uh, all right, let's move on to another piece of news. Uh, and this one's way more rumor, I would say, than news, but uh, the Calgary Flames are definitely in the rumor mill right now as we approach the the trade deadline. Uh, David Bagnata of the fourth period had quite the article come out on them. Um Obviously, it's not been the season Calgary had hoped. Jacob Markstrom has been a disaster for them this year. I feel like that's gone like a little under the radar, maybe. Um, I think he's so. Yeah, been really bad this year, though. Um, yeah, but Pagnotta sure. reported all of the above, so you can tell me where we want to start here. But the Flames remain engaged in talks with Vancouver Canucks about defenseman Luke Shen and forward Brock Besser. Um, as I reported in the last several days, the Flames are one of the teams that got involved in recent Chitron trade talks. Uh, they're not major players in that race, though. They've also had some ties to St. Louis Blues blue liner Colton Perrieco, who has a full no-trade clause in the first year of an eight-year, $52 million contract. Uh, and then speaking of Denahouse, there's a ton on this next subject. I have strong reason to believe the Flames have considered moving defenseman Mackenzie Weger. They've denied it, and it doesn't sound like a trade is imminent. But multiple well-placed league sources have not only heard Uyghur's name floating around, but informing the Ottawa Senators, our team that have expressed interest in acquiring him. Uh, and then he goes, <laughs> <Yeah>. into, <laughs> and then they go into some things about Uyghur's from Ottawa, um, and then Ottawa's trying to flip uh, Zaitsev's deal as well. Um, but he goes, it's on to say, shipping a Uyghur, however, would mean the Flames have at least one more significant trade in the works. 
would it strictly result in a replacement on the decor or is it a combination of that and adding more firepower up front? So there obviously, I think a lot of this to me is, I mean, it's cool to see uh, the reporting and stuff. To me, it's just a lot of like the, the Vancouver Canucks stuff is just, hey, what do you want for Besser? Uh, that's more than we want. Hang up. You know, that kind of stuff where it's like, I think teams talk to each other all the time. I, I don't think that should be like groundbreaking news. You I'm know sure I mean? they're constantly talking. Exactly. Um, and they're, they should be. Except 100%. The bigger thing I find very interesting, and it's only because, I mean, I find it interesting because Ottawa's the, the leading name linked to him, um, but I find it incredibly interesting because this dude just signed an eight-year deal this summer that's about to kick in, and they are now trying to look to move it, um, which brings up a lot of questions to me in terms of, why you're trying to move it is it simply you feel you need to get better up front and this is the best way to get the value to do so is it something you feel you need to get off of because if that's the case i ask why you're signing this contract if that's your flip decision 50 games later yeah that's a pretty tough turnaround on a decade-long decision and to me it's even tougher because you kind of ask yourself, okay, so what did you think this team was going to be? Because, um, again, there's no doubt that has been a disappointing year, but the other one I kind of keep coming to is JT Miller. Like, we've heard, like, Vancouver might look to flip him before his full no-trade clause kicks in. That, to me, makes sense. Because it didn't make sense to trade JT Miller in the first place. I know it's the same management group, but, like, Vancouver should want to be bad. This Calgary yeah. team is not bad. Their goaltender's having a horrible year. They're not that bad. And like no. and like Uyghur's been good. Yes. He's not been amazing, but actually he has been by any reasonable sense of the word. He's just been slightly worse than he was last year, which is okay. And you probably should have expected that. Exactly. So it's like, what are you seeing now that making you do a whole 180? And is it on the team? Or is this just simply you feel he's going to give you the best assets to go get another player that you like a little more and yeah i don't know what it is because if, if you if you feel like your team needs forward help and you have a stacked fence core and you think you could just roll him in, into the good forward i mean fair enough but if you're just flipping them because you're disappointed in them i feel like you need to check what your expectations were yeah exactly um and then the other thing i, I have no idea if this is actually something that people would care about is a bad look on the organization to flip a dude before his contract even kicks in. I've kind of wondered about that too. I assume it's not that big of a deal, but I don't know. I also don't know. I, I think it looks a little worse. Because, and then, so the reason people might be like, why do they want to do this right now? Why don't they just like wait till the summer? Well, in the summer, a full no-trade clause kicks in for the first four years of this deal. Yeah, and if if you're flip doing it now because you want to flip him to Arizona and he's like, I'd rather die than go to Arizona, like it's probably a bad look on the league. But if you send him home to Ottawa and he's like happy to be there or whatever, I bet you it doesn't really matter. Yeah, as big of a meme as the centers have been, there's definitely worse places to go. Yeah, exactly, especially for somebody who's from there like, never underestimate somebody's want to go home and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And like even last summer, people were already talking about like bringing Uyghur back as a U when he turned into a UFA that they'd want to be in on him signing from a sense fan. I don't know how I feel about it. I like 
I mean, I really like Weaver the player. I just go back and forth about whether his contract is something that, you know, the team should be wanting to pick up. Yeah, he objectively makes them better, but the contract might get might get sketchy. And I've seen Sens fans make the argument that, like, we don't really care what happens in seven, eight years. The core is locked in now. Let's go for it. And I, to a degree, I definitely agree. But also, if you're trying to get a 30-year-old at $6 million to put you into contender status, not over the top of contender status, that worries me a little bit, too. Yeah. But... At the same time, I, I sit here and I go, they can't keep fucking playing Zaitsev and Hamannek on the right side every night. So. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. Like, And again, there might be a non-linearity thing or just going from Zaitsev to someone really good is worth like 20 goals above replacement, even though mm-hmm. on paper it's like 10 just because having that competence is so much better for everyone else. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So, yeah, from the, from Otto's perspective, I don't know how to feel about it, But I just I, – I thought it was super curious that his name was popping up a lot in the news cycle this week because – or t- today specifically. Um, just because, yeah, like how often do you really hear teams be adamant about trying to trade a guy before an eight-year deal kicks in? Yeah. That is pretty funny, eh? Like you pretty much never see that. No, I'm trying to think – like before JT Miller, I'm trying to think of the last one that I actually like – was even remotely a thing about talked about, yeah. Because even like, like we've seen cases where players in the first year of their eight-year deal go, you're going, oh, this isn't good. But like, not usually before. Yeah, before is kind of crazy. Especially again, he hasn't been that bad this year. No, this like he's, he's been good by any reasonable definition of the word if anything and i get so maybe and and maybe this is a a reason to point that they do just want to look to improve their team and they feel this is the best way because if anything the eight-year deal that is about to kick in the one i'd be fucking worried about is jonathan huberto not mackenzie Weegers. well 100 percent huberto is so much more money it's almost double the cost yeah and he's been just not good at all so i don't know that it'll be an interesting situation to keep an eye on that's for sure yeah, it will be. It'll be interesting to watch. I'm like, I'm trying not to get my hopes up because I feel like we do this a lot and it's never as exciting as a thing. But like, there's, for the potential deadline. The, there's potential for this deadline to be kind of fun, man. I, again, I feel yeah. like we say that every year about free agency and the deadline and stuff. And like, it's usually fine. There's one or two big deals. But like, I don't know. There's just so much talk this year that like, I'm, I'm, Really, really intrigued to see what happens. Yeah, there's real hope this year. And everyone being capped out, I think, kind of... I, I hope it doesn't restrict it. I hope it makes people get a little more even silly in terms of, like... I love seeing the three-team deals where, like, a team like San Jose retains $2 million salary to get a third-round pick or whatever. Yeah. But to me, just as a hockey nerd, that really... I love seeing that. Yeah, that's best. That stuff's very interesting. Exactly. So for a hardcore fans, yeah, 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 exactly. I'm sure the casual fan doesn't really care. They just care about who their team got. But as like people breaking down every trade, like we always do every year, that's exciting to me. And I hope it takes that. That leads to the next step of like teams will actually start giving pro or like three player trades in terms of teams look to like a team like Calgary. Imagine a trade where they move Uyghur out, bring 
I don't know, Chitron in, and then prospects go another way. And whoever Weger goes to Ottawa, so Ottawa's giving something up. And it's like an actual three-team trade where players move to all three teams. See, that would be sweet. Exactly. And we, we just never see it. And again, like, don't take me on my word for those exact players. I have no idea if that anything like that would ever happen. But, like, I just – anything like that I think would be awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah, any sort of crazy movement is always amazing. It's like – I don't care if the trades are fair or like whatever. I just want to see interesting shit happen. Exactly. Yeah. 100% me too. Um, All right. Let's do an overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite quick. And we're going to do jerseys, specifically Atlantic division jerseys. Um, Do you want to do just the eight base ones or do you want to open it up to like reverse retros, alternatives and stuff like that as well? Let's go eight base ones. I don't all right. know all the teams reverse retros. I don't either off the top of my head. I would just have to think about them. Um, all right. Overrated base jersey in the Atlantic. I think I think there's an obvious one here. It's the, oh, Detroit? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a couple. I think you could argue Montreal as well. I was gonna say they're not the only red jersey that might come to mind when I say that, but but I I yeah I lean Detroit as well because I mean everyone it's a good logo like it's it's good jersey and yep. a solid logo and everything but like everyone's like it's undisputed top three and I don't I don't know I definitely wouldn't go that far about the jersey the logo maybe but not even undisputed yeah that's the thing like it's it's nice do you know like the the pond hockey like lidstrom jersey decor always wears yeah that's a sweet jersey mm-hmm. that's yeah, my that's... favorite wed wings jersey i think that was one of the winter classic ones right yeah yeah it was a winter classic one i love that jersey but like i don't know the, the normal wings jersey i look at and i'm like yep that's definitely a jersey and people are like this is one of the greatest things ever concocted like, oh, yeah i feel like i'm missing something here yeah i i completely agree um it's it's yeah it, it's fine but yeah it's not the elite here and like I find a lot like you it's funny because you mentioned the winter classic ones look good but then every time they've done their reverse retros they've been trash as well um, because yeah. they try and they just don't want to do anything with their logo it's like your logo is not that good that you can just put a tint of gray on the jersey and expect it to be good yeah exactly all right give me your underrated underrated in the atlantic is kind of tough because there's a lot of very big teams in the atlantic but i will say i very much like florida's jerseys almost all the time that's fair that's fair i i like i go back and forth on on florida's jerseys i like their logo and stuff too yeah i I do their logo's nice um like it's not I, the best or anything, but they they get dunked on sometimes for it. I'm like, I don't know. It seems fine to me. I like it. Yeah, it's it's okay. I like their old. I think the problem that I have with Florida jerseys, I like their old ones more than the ones they have now with like their white stripe through them. Like I like the ones that they had in like 2010 or whatever. Even yeah. though that logo was a little weird, I just I, I really liked it. Um, but yeah, like that their logo now is fine. I just their jerseys a little plain. Yeah, they are pretty plain. And like it's kind of a reach what I'm going for because like I said, the Atlantic division is, you know, the Leafs can't be underrated on any list. I don't think yeah. the Habs or Wings can on a jerseys list. 
Buffalo could be, but I, so, I don't dislike them. I don't love them either. Buffalo and Tampa are the two teams that I'm kind of between here. Yeah, Tampa, I was thinking of, but I was like, I don't know if they're properly rated or not, because I think a lot of people do like Tampa's. That's the thing. So I think I'm going to lean Buffalo because, and part of this is cheating in terms of like, I, I do, I think Buffalo's base jerseys are very nice, but every variation of the Buffalo jersey I like as well. Like if you, they just tweak the color scheme on their normal jersey and add like a little more gold, and I still think it looks beautiful. You got that the black and red Buffalo head. That thing's a beautiful jersey. Um, yeah. So I would say Buffalo is my underrated. I like Tampa's as well, but again, I, I think yeah, Tampa's is like just appropriately liked in the top ten, top fifteen for most people. Yeah, like I feel like they get the respect they deserve in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, favorites. For me, I mean, easy. New Ottawa Senators one. Ottawa wouldn't have been my favorite one before they switched jerseys, though. That's fair. I uh, yeah, Ottawa's had they're a high variance jersey team. I yeah. think, like they've yeah. had some stinkers, but they also can make very cool ones. They have like two of my favorite jerseys ever in terms of like I really like their O. I wish they would go back to that as an alternate jersey. Um, yeah. And then obviously the the two D jersey that they're in now, I, I, they're just so beautiful, dude. I love them. But the three D jersey was one of the ugliest things ever. Yeah, that was that was a tough one. Um, I think if they were still on the three D jersey, Tampa would probably be my favorite in this division. Yeah, that's a Tampa's a very good pick there. Yeah, uh, are you going with Toronto? I am. I and if you disable your favorite team, which would be fair. Tampa as well. I really like blue, like that dark blue. I think it looks very, very good on a lot of jerseys. Yeah, and like the nice thing about Toronto is it's just like a nice, simple logo, just showing exactly what their team name is as well. Like they don't try to overdo it or anything. It's just it's very classic. Um, yeah. Which usually when people say that, I kind of cringe at, but in this case, I think it does really work. Yeah, and I think they'll at least do something well. Where in recent years, anyways, I don't know how true this is historically, but they've stuck classic but they've taken risks with their alternates, mm -hmm. which is a yeah. good way of doing it. So if you want a, a more risky jersey, you can get like some of their winter classic stuff or like the Bieber jerseys and stuff for us. And you have the best of both worlds with the, I don't want to say generic, but like their home jersey is their home jersey, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Least favorite. Least favorite in the Atlantic division is a good question. This I, is a tough I don't know if I have one. I don't dislike any of them. No, me either. I like, might. Okay, I'm gonna savers. I'm gonna cheat here, and if I had to go like normal, I might pick Florida's current ones. I guess. Yeah. Fair. Actually, um, you know what? Mine would be the Habs. See, I'm gonna cheat here and go the Habs reverse retro. That is the ugliest goddamn jersey of any kind that I have ever seen. It is the stupid baby blue, which oh, has yeah. nothing to do with the Montreal Canadiens. It looks hideous when they're skating around on the ice. Everything about it sucks a lot. So there's only one, one good baby blue jersey. That's the old Penguins ones. Yeah, even like the Panthers ones. I don't love this year, but like they got like a, and it's not quite as baby blue, but it is like it's not dark blue by any means. That at least looks better than the Montreal. The Montreal Canadiens dressed in blue. It's like, this, this just doesn't look right. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that. It does look. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't love their regular jerseys either. To be honest, it's probably tainted because I'm a Leafs fan. But yeah, I like the color scheme of like the real dark blue as a tint, and then the base red. But um, I, I don't care for their logo all that much either. Like it's it's, no. it's okay. I don't know. Like it, it, I'm sure that'll piss some people off, but like it's it's fine. It's just it's an overrated logo because it's yeah, also just, like I, the most iconic he, logo in the sport. Yeah, exactly. Like I feel like most of the top six or the original six teams have overrated logos, you know. So, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, well, that's the podcast for this week. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, as always, you can find all my work at lastwordonhockey.com. As I mentioned, the podcast network is getting started. Uh, I also did some writing about why Ottawa needs to overhaul their depth of the trade deadline this year if they want any success. Uh, I didn't realize how bad it was. They have four players. Four, four or five forwards on pace for less than 10 points over a full 82-game season. Uh, and all those forwards have played at least 35 games or more. Um, so it's been really ugly. Go read about that and my suggestions on how to fix the team. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff. You can find Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66 and all his work at theactionnetwork.com. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next week.